this. Alrighty, so, and uh, this is nothing but fantasy, you know. I'm in my own world here that I live in, and in my own world that I live in, we were supposed to start at 4.30 today, but on the handy schedule that everybody's supposed to be using, including myself, it says 4 o'clock. So either we're 25 minutes fashionably late, or we're 5 minutes Andy's world early. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll play by the Andy's world rules. Um, I would have been here anyways. I've been at the computer all day long anyway. It doesn't matter to me. My world is pretty much better because it never – it doesn't have a lot of uh, – you know, it doesn't have a lot of stress, not a lot of anger going on in my world. Just peace, peacefulness pretty much most of the time. Although I have to say Except I've had a couple – today. Yeah, I've had a couple rants today. So uh, I don't really – I don't even think we need to go into them, you know, because I'm sure that they'll come out along the way. By the way, I have a game well, to play anybody, at the end. Anybody that was here this morning has – Oh, exactly geez. on their mind what you were talking about. Or happened to be listening to poor FNTSY today after one host said, I got to go check a legend. I'm like, I I'm really so tempted. My fingers are like dying to just be like on Twitter. How'd that work out for you? Because I can't find the show anywhere. So that kind of tells you something in itself, I think. Anyway, uh, stuff like that kind of just. It gets you your adrenaline pumping, and it gets you like just in this, you know, fight or flight mode. You know, like just your, I don't know how to explain it. Stress factor. All humans need some of it. You know, every once in a while, it kind of feels good to have a little bit of an adrenaline rush. Like, you know, what the best part about it though, Andy, is what? you can put it all to rest by kicking ass in the fantasy league, which is what you're gonna do. No, I will never be able to put it to rest, but I don't care about it. I really don't. I'm not stupid. I know what people say. I'm, I mean, uh, I don't like to try to live in a world that's just like totally ignorant of what's going on. I am a girl, and I'm sure a lot of people think that I got involved into Tao and labor because of that. And I guarantee it's part of it because people want diversity, and I happen to have a set of boobs, and that's really lucky for me and really crappy for every man out there. So, I mean, I'm I'm not ashamed of that, nor do I deny it, but I also did spend a long, long, like nine years, you know, like just kind of slowly working my way up. I never buttoned my way in. I, you know, was part of the events that the fantasy industry had because of Lenny, so in that respect, I'm there. I'm in the um, environment, you know, so to speak, and that's part, like, that's, you know, 80% of networking is just being in the same area as somebody so over time i've become Andy, friends yeah Andy, speaking as someone who has benefited from nepotism before um i would like to say that i'm in favor for it i mean um personally it, it's a part of life it's going to happen um i am in my late 20s have not done much in the film or television industry whatsoever but my uh parents have a reality show they're in development right now and because i'm the son of the person starring in it i'm going to get an executive producer credit do i deserve it of course i don't but i'm not going to deny it i'm not going to say no i don't want it okay and that's fine but that's not that's not what's happening here because and i know i i absolutely don't have a problem with it really that much unless i was the guy that was qualified and didn't get invited and the guy that wasn't qualified did get invited then i might i might have a problem with it it depends on where you stand, but the thing about me is that I'm really made so many decisions along the way that I've really gone out of my way to make sure that Lenny does not um, be responsible for anything that I do. Like, but of course, the just being in the same area with these people and being, uh, you know, um, going with Lenny to events and drafts and this and that and just being in, around these people they get to know you you know and i'm a girl so i got that but we all get whatever uh, i came in second place last year in tout wars and i could have won that league except for we had some crazy rules in a head-to-head -head weekly league we had a minimum innings limit it was 950 innings but it was a weekly league and there was no weekly innings limit so people figured out that when they're up against somebody difficult somebody tough they will just bench all their starters and then they will cuz all you have to do is win 3 out of 5 categories in pitching and 3 out of 5 categories in hitting they're separate so you get two wins for hitting and two wins for pitching and i mean i of course once i started getting close to my 
minimums innings i started doing the same darn thing but it was very frustrating when you're on the other side of that and you're losing wins because nobody has to get a certain amount of um, innings pitched per week so we did change that rule this year um i'm super excited to go back there a little nervous now that all of this uh i mean i know people are talking about me but i honestly i, I go out of my way to avoid it unfortunately i have lenny on as my other part my other half here who's he listens all day. He knows everything people come to him and tell him what people are talking about, like every single show. I mean, for me, I would just most of the time would rather just not even know. But on the other hand, it's it is kind of satisfying because, um, you know, it's it just it is what it is. I'm here and I think that I do a very good job. And so anyway, um, we'll see. Well, you're gonna, you're, you're, you did well, and you'll do well again, and you know people can say what they want, but it's probably out of jealousy for the most part too. But let's, uh, let's, let's get to some of this baseball stuff. Yes, I know let's you talk. Let's talk about this one thing. I'm wearing my Phillies hat, my Phillies hoodie today. I'm a big fan of Philly. I do think that they were one Jake Arrieta away, and I'm not joking around when I say this. The, the articles that I'm reading are like, oh, Jake Arrieta's coming to the Phillies. He goes from a World Series team to a barely 500 team if they're lucky, and I think that with this piece, because they do also, you know, Aaron Nola is my boyfriend. He's my second boyfriend, but he's definitely up there on the list, and I think that if Vince Velasquez or Jared Eikhoff could come to be anything close to the pitcher that they were, showing that they were going to be, um, I really do think that that team could total absolutely compete in every way. They have great tools. They got youngsters. They got Reese Hoskins. They have uh, Odubel, who isn't even that popular, but I still like him. Just great, great, great young team. I'm excited for him. And I honestly really think that the Nationals are a little bit more banged up than they'd like you to believe because it feels like everybody's hurt over there. And I know it's only like Daniel Murphy and Adam Eaton, but those are two main pieces, you know, of their offense. And they definitely don't have any depth in pitching if something bad happened to one of their starters. Very good points with the Nationals. I do still think the Nationals are the best team in that division. They'll win that division. But I do think the move for Arietta for the Phillies is perfect. Team on the rise, as you mentioned, they need another starter to bolster that rotation. They have a really good shot at a wild card spot, in my opinion. It would not shock me at all. The Arietta contract is really interesting, though. I delved into it a little bit. So, How much signed is a three-year deal 75? with the Phillies. Yeah. Um, going to pay him $75 million over the three years. Going to pay him $30 million in the first year as a way to front-load it. Nice. Where it gets really interesting, though, is yeah. that after year two, Arietta could opt out. Mm-hmm. And the Phillies have an option that if they want to avoid that opt-out of Arietta, they can pick up a two-year option on him that would then have him sign through 21 and 22, and it would end up being a five-year deal overall. But they have to, he has to basically want to stay. Well, no. After the, se- after the second year, if they want to pick up his two-year option, then he can't opt out. He signed for another three years. He or- doesn't, wait, he doesn't get to choose? No, he he gets his opt out if they don't pick up the two year option to get make it a five year contract. But they get the first; they get to choose first. Yes. I'm really hearing some echo. Do you guys hear echo? Because I hear myself, and I do not like my voice. So please help me out. Do you hear an echo, Lou? I don't hear an echo at all. No. Okay. Oh, etching table says he does hear an echo, or maybe not. Are you talking to me? No echo. Okay. Go on, Lou. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I find interesting about the contract is both both sides. I mean, that's I mean, because it's interesting because remember I told you a couple weeks ago I had a um a good friend of mine who's very friendly with Arietta's agent and I had a uh, like a tip that he was going to the Phillies, but that was a few weeks ago and I was wondering why it was taking so long and now I kind of looks like this is the reason they had all these different clauses in the contract because Philly didn't want to give out a long contract Arietta wanted a lot of money so by having this three year 75 million he's getting a lot um, especially in the first two years he's guaranteed 55 million in those first two years of the 75 and then if the Phillies don't want to extend the three-year offer then he has an opportunity to opt out of the contract. I thought that Scott Boris was his um, agent. Isn't Scott um, Boris? Scott, Bo- Scott Boris is his agent, yeah. Okay, so you have a friend that's good friends with Scott Boris. I have a friend that is family of an agent who works closely with Scott Boris. 
Holy moly. So there's a lot of talking about Scott Boris because, you know, this comes – there's really a lot to be said about the, what happened here. Scott Boris needs to change his – I mean, I don't know if he needs to change anything. There is yet to be a time that he has ever really failed anybody, like literally just made him so that they didn't have a job at the beginning of the season, you know? I agree. I mean, some of his clients signed – I mean, he's notorious for having clients sign late. But this was really late. I mean, we've already seen a record amount of money spent in the month of March. I believe. Yes, but a lot of these people, dude, could have had more money if they would have taken the deal that they should have taken earlier. But he's so greedy. He tells them no, no, no. And then they live in this. I mean, imagine. I'm sure the stress is huge, especially for these like mediocre um, replacement players. You know that they don't even know if they're going to have a job. And if Scott Boris is their agent, I would be livid as hell. There's something to be said about peace of mind, dude. Well, I don't know how many of the qualifying offer guys he um, represents, but all, besides Hosmer uh, and J.D. Martinez, the rest of them should have taken the qualifying offers they got. Yeah, well, do you – okay, so do you think that this is an outlier year or do you think this is like a new trend that's being set with the um, way that teams are signing contracts with players? There is something to be said about next year's free agent pool, and – um, I do think that a lot of this has to do with the fact that there just wasn't that many good players out there, but the good, the best players were waiting forever. So, you know, do you think this is going to be a trend or what? I think this season is kind of an outlier. I do think that we'll see a little more normal spending next year. But again, that's because the free agent class, as you alluded to, and that's another reason why teams were probably shyer from spending some of their money this offseason, knowing that the players out there next year will help them as much, if not more. I agree. And there's, you know, w there's a lot of uh, third basemen, lefty, hard home run hitters out there. They're just like a dime a dozen nowadays, it seems like. But the pitching aspect, I'm so happy that Arietta signs with Philly. Number one, he doesn't have to be in my AL only league. And number two, uh, I love Philly. So that's exciting for me. It's exciting for me too. In the uh, great fantasy baseball invitational draft, I took him, pick like 104 105 um i thought it was pretty good value based on the way pitchers were going in my draft and now that he signed i'm really happy because when i made the the pick he wasn't signed nothing was for sure um same thing could be said obviously not on the same level as arietta but about lance lynn going to the twins well lance lynn to the twins i also love i really think that these two uh First of all, I'm just happy the yankees didn't bother with either of them because that would just really just be the 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 end of the road for the Red Sox fan. Okay. That would be it. We would have to have just, it would be bad. The, what do you think yeah, about well, the Yankees? You know Hold on. I'm glad you didn't do it, Andrea, as a Yankees fan. Well, but don't you think the fact that they got Neil Walker really indicates that they're about to get a pitcher with one of these infielders? We we went from them having – About to get – no. This season, yeah. I do think something by, by the July trade deadline, they will probably um, be looking – for Why did somebody. they get I'll get to them in a second, but I do think the the signing of Lance Lynn um, shouldn't go unnoticed. Yeah, Cha Cha agree to me. It's a good move. Um, okay. Look, he didn't get the long term contract he wanted, but he did He's... get twelve million for the one year, and I think if he hits one hundred and eighty innings, he gets another two million. Big deal. He should have signed he... for seventeen million when he got the offer from St. Louis. Maybe... He should have, but he. But he didn't. makes his team a hell of a lot better. Barrios, Odorizzi, him, Irvin Santana will be back. Kyle Gibson's not a bad five. Pineda, who they brought in is on the roster, could help them as early as July. Um, they already had a great lineup. They've made the additions to the rotation now. They add Rodney and Reed to the bullpen. I mean, I think they're certainly in place for another wild card appearance. Absolutely. I'm that's why I'm super happy. I have Barrios and Buxton on my AL team and I really need that Minnesota Twins to do well. So, you know, I have a hat for every team and pretty much a shirt for every team and just depending on who I draft on my fantasy teams, the ones that I like the most, then I root for that team. That's what kind of fan I am. Yeah, plus of course your love for the Red Sox for some reason, but I'm Because really... I hate the Yankees. That's straight up why I love the Red Sox. That's that's a really good reason. So Yankees, Neil Walker, Walker finally lands that job, one-year deal. Yeah, but why? It answers a lot of our questions, Andrea, no, because like there's what? a lot of questions surrounding who is going to be in the Yankees infield. They no. acquired Drury. 
Okay. Um, they, they thought they want to play him at third, but then Andahar was hitting <laughs> well to start spring, and mm-hmm. now they want to use Drury at third, and they weren't sure what to do. Now it looks like Andahar's going to get sent down because they brought in Walker, which also pushes uh, Tor- Torres to the minors. It pushes Tyler Wade to either a utility role right, or so why, a starter though? in the minor leagues. My question and, it, yeah, well, it, it, look at the their point. second base. Look at their depth chart at second base. They have six players that can play second base. And when we entered the offseason, they had none of these te- people, none of these second basemen were players except for Torres. They acquired Jace Peterson, Drury, Wade, Gleyber Torres. Obviously, they already had. He's not cutting it. He needs to go back down anyway. And now Neil Walker. Plus, they got I mean, they just have all of these players that are just random why they would get Neil Walker. Well, they're they want to keep they want to keep Andahar and Torres down for at least the first half of the year, if not trade one of them. I mean, I I think Lenny was talking about it earlier. I've been talking to some Yankee fans about it, who I like to talk baseball with. Why at did, some point, at well, some point, Andahar is probably going to get traded. Clint Fraser is going to be traded. Um, they have this guy Thyro Estrada probably going to be traded. Huh. Chance Adams probably going to be traded. Okay. I'm not sure if they'll move Justice Sheffield, but they're gonna they're gonna package two, three, maybe even four of these prospects to get a top of the line starter at some point. Why? It doesn't make sense to me that they would get Neil Walker now, send Andujar down, who's been just doing well at spring training. By the way, he's been doing well and. He's got plenty of experience. He's gone all through the made, the minor league systems. He's went to A, to double A, to triple A, now even to the majors. He's had a little bit of time, so like a couple at bats. But it's not like Gleyber Torres here who has never even like, you know, uh, had in, much experience at all in the minor leagues. I don't think he has. I'm actually just saying that off the top of my head, and I – He doesn't have that much, and he missed a lot of time last year. But Walker, one year, it's just an insurance – policy because if they do want to bring up Antar, they move Drury over to second and Walker becomes a switch hitter off the bench, which is never a problem. Or maybe he plays some time at first because Greg Bird um, is no sure they thing got, either. No, they mean, have Adam Lynn. have options. They got Adam they Lind. They have Adam Lynn, but Adam Lynn might not make the 25-man roster. Yes, he will. Why wouldn't he? He's a veteran. He hits home runs, 17, 20 home runs they can get out of him. He's making the roster. I don't get what I don't there's they to me I'm not a Yankee fan I'm just a baseball fan but it doesn't make sense to me that they would get Neil Walker at this time when they have a total logjam in their uh, infield where they had a huge hole to start this um, off season Neil Walker is okay but is he really a difference maker No he's a, he's an average player just like the rest of these guys so Brandon Drury is another the guy Walker, Walker, if you're gonna, Walker's an insurance policy that's well, all it is if you want to trade one of these guys or multiple of these guys, then you got to put them out there and showcase them. Let them see what they have. Brandon Drury is another one. What about Jace Peterson? Do I remember he was the first one they got, Jace Peterson? I was all happy. I, I mean, I wasn't happy, but I said that's good for them because they need this guy that can play multiple positions. He's not really good for fantasy ever, but he's he's a decent, you know, at least he fills in a hole. He's just yeah, but I think they have that in Torres and Tyler Wade already. And what are they Drury getting? Too. What do they get out of Neil Walker that they didn't have? Uh, they get a switch hitter in the infield, I guess. That's it. They get a switch hitter and somebody that they can rely on to hold down the position until they're ready to make a decision with Andahar or Torres. That would be fine if they needed uh, uh, somebody to hold down a, the position, but they have. Like three people to hold down the position. That's all I'm saying. Neil Walker is a switch hitter. You got that going. Uh, Aaron Hicks is a switch hitter. I don't know where. I don't know where in the world or what in the world they see in this guy. Then nobody just buys an insurance policy when they got three other insurance policies. That's just my opinion. Obviously, I don't know what's going on. To me, to me, the Walker signing is kind of replacing what they traded away in Chase Headley. I'm not saying Chase Headley is a spectacular player. He's not. But what they is did that? Have- they did have Headley, who could play some third, play some first, switch hitter, start every now and again to come off the bench as a pitch hitter versus a tough lefty or something. Walker could do that, but he also plays second base. So I think they're kind of replacing Headley with Walker, veteran guy to have around insurance policy again. And yeah. the moment that the moment that they think someone else is ready, they're going to either trade them or Walker will go to a bench rule or a backup rule. It's so, only $5 million. That's nothing to the Yankees. 
looking at the stats for spring training, I mean, either there's one of two things. Either they're not looking at the stats because they think that they need some kind of insurance policy because every single one of these guys trying out for a position on the Yankees has been doing decent. And then they're not just like going up there and nobody's hitting. They're all doing okay. I mean, for so they must have gone into spring training knowing that they, none of these guys were going to be relied upon. So what the only thing that Neil Walker offers is the fact that we know that he's um, – experience but Torius is is the guy that played all over the place last year and part of the reason why the Yankees got to the playoffs because he was all everywhere he played all over the place I, I just feel like I'd rather have Neil Walker in my lineup every day than than Torius in a heartbeat okay but <laughs> all right what about Drury do you like Drury I like Drury's bat I don't know if he's going to profile better at third base or second base though Okay, and what about Andahar? Do you think he's not ready to be in the majors? I think Andahar is ready. I do know they want to um, improve his defense a little bit. I also think that they want to um, see him improve his plate discipline a little bit too. He's a lot. He's a big free swinger, and that's not always a bad thing. Um, I do think on another team he would certainly be breaking camp 25-man roster starting at third base. All right, there's so no need for them to do it yet. Let's just put one thing on the board. I say that the Yankees do not enter this season without an, another pitcher, and they are going to trade a slew of, of these replacement-style players or youngsters that haven't matured yet. But, you know, the Yankees were super smart in getting all of these youngsters. I mean, look at they, – they barely had to pay anything for all of these. I mean, they have a stockpile of youngsters. It's like – Reminds me of Atlanta or, you know, Oakland. These are teams that usually bring – the Yankees never bring players up like this. <laughs> they just buy them once they get good. Yeah, but, I mean, we've seen we've seen that change a little bit, though. Yes, but Lately. I wouldn't be surprised if they have a huge fire sale. They're trying to – they are trying to work a deal out with some team for a pitcher right now as we speak. They're on the ho- They're on the horn. Call yeah, I mean, I think I think that I think that a pitcher is coming. I don't think it's happening yet. I do think it'll happen during the season, whether it be May, June, or by July. Um, I think they're going to let these players play out in the minors, and then injuries happen. They happen to come up. Uh, Torres was already optioned to Triple A today. Um, in the last couple hours, that was. Announced. I don't know why he's getting sent down. Torres, he was played no, in no, the no, majors. Torres, Torres, oh, not Torres is sent down okay um and he's not hitting well anyway and he needs he needs more time in the minors regardless andahar is the one that is more ready but that's also why i think andahar could be the guy they end up trading to because torres right now they have him playing second short and third base uh they're making him very versatile whereas andahar is not going to be anything but a third baseman or a dh i think trading andahar leaves them with all their options and they can end up putting Torres at any of those three infield positions, likely second or third, because I don't think Didi's going anywhere. So I think that they're going to hold on to Torres, trade Andahar, along with Clint Frazier, Chance Adams, and uh, potentially more than that. But all of these, dude, all these guys? I think it's going to take, I think Torres and Adams could get them Fulmer. I also think I could get them Archer. I also – I'm, I'm going to throw one out there. Really if San Francisco, if Not really. If San Francisco finds that they're half-ass rebuild slash um, yeah, trying to I know what you mean. again, it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, by July, I would see the Yankees knocking down the door for, for Madison Bumgarner because his contract's up soon anyway, and he could be their Justin Verlander that the Astros had last year. Well, I'll give the Yankees a little credit. At least they know that they're not as good as they thought they were when they got Stanton because now they're just full of home run hitters. That's it. They got home run hitters, and that's, I mean, okay, you need a balanced team, right? That's what we say. We'll see what happens. Okay, we're moving on from the Yankees. Let's move on. Um, The team projections. I talked to, you know, the great fantasy baseball invitational draft that we just did. Our team is finished. I'm pretty sure every team is finished at this point. Uh Uh-oh. Turn your mic down. Turn your mic down a little. Yeah, well, it's just really scratchy and hurting. But I don't know if it's just me. Here, give me a shout in the chat room. Is it just me? Maybe it's my headphones. Um, so I just <laughs> the projections at they they have these. Are, can you hear me, Lou? 
Lou? Lou? I can't hear you, but can you hear me? Can anybody hear yeah. me? Oh, hi, Lou. Hi. Damn. I got you for a second. La, 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 la. Do you guys want some, um, look at, I got, this. Lou, where are you? I'm right here, I'm right here. I thought you were going to talk about the, uh, about something else. You were moving on, the uh, great fancy baseball invitational. Right, okay, so now I know what you, you go away, but you go take whizzes and stuff while I'm talking. <laughs> you just like, I start saying I'm going to talk about something and you just go. Okay, that's fine, I will talk about it. You know the projection sheets that we've been looking at all this time? Um, it's got like all the 190 people on it that are in this invitational draft. And of course, everybody's interested to see where their draft is ranking. And um, anyway, our, you know, Smada, he actually works at, he's either with Justin Mason's um, website or he's with Fantrax, but he has come around here too and he's super nice. But he, I asked him on Twitter because this thing gets so deep, dude. It gets so deep. It's like 12 pages long. It's got all these different, um, test player data project anyway all of this so i asked him what how he built this thing and i will tell you that the team projection sheet is built off of fangraphs depth charts projections the first column ranks the sum of all your category points from 1 to 195 hit rank pitch rank isolates each set of categories and creates a ranking for those rank average is your ranking adjusted for how many players have been taken in your draft it will be obsolete when everybody is finished. So the rank average, that's history, doesn't mean anything. Rank ADP ranks column M, which is a percentage that calculates how much value you got versus other leagues. Basically, the higher the percentage, the better. So let me say that again. That's very confusing to me. Oh, my God. Like, what? I don't even know. Dude, you have to just be like, okay, a, a numbers guy to think of this stuff. And then – Say well, why not just have it, Andrea, for each league specifically? Because wouldn't that tell a better story? No, I think it's a great idea because we've never really in this industry ever had something this big of a sample size to be able to see. I mean, we do in the NFBC. Um, it, it is some similar to the NFBC, although all these people. Hmm, why is it different? I don't know how it's different because the NFBC really does do that already. But we always use the NFBC ADP when we're, you know, that's the best one to use because people that are playing NFBC are a lot different than people that are playing at Yahoo. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, although I I have a league on, on Yahoo. It's not my league. It is um, co-commissioning, but I do have a league on Yahoo right now. Me too. But you know what I'm saying. The rules there are very easy. You only need like a couple plate appearances or the a couple. Position eligibilities are insane. Yeah. So like uh, when when you're looking to base your, you know, when you're looking. That's I think that's the website that has Anthony Rizzo at second base eligibility. Of course, it's the only one that would because he played there a couple times and he's eligible pretty much. I think it's five at a position. Um. So if you say that the average pick on Acuna is 100 and you got him for 100 at 105, that's a 5% value. So basically the rank ADP ranks column M. That's the percentage. I mean, so I think I do appreciate what he's doing. Um, I think you have to be pretty smart to even get your head around this stuff. Oh, it's incredible. It's just incredibly confusing to me. I think I'm just – what I've done is just look through the rosters in my league because um, that's who I'm going up against in my mind. I mean, obviously, there's going to be an overall winner or whatever, but I can't control at all what other teams are doing in other drafts because I'm not drafting against them. I will be looking at this at the end of the season just to see how close it was or how good the system was. I mean, these are always good little – I mean, the thing is crazy. Let me put a link to this in the um, chat room because this thing, until you see it, you have no – you really I don't – I think Bidon already did. Well, let me put it back there anyway because I did the work to get it. Okay. So, but it's all color coordinated. It looks like Christmas and all of this. The person that came in at the top of this list, well, he's number two now, and that stinks. Not that I don't like Sam Grant. I have no problem with Sam Grant. I don't even know who Sam Grant is, but I love Tanner Bell. He is the guy that has, um, he's the owner of Smart. 
fantasy baseball. And he's the one that really I learned how to do pretty much all of like um, my Excel sheets where I make the tables and you can sort the stuff and pulling in the numbers from the websites. Like he has little tutorials on there. He does a player ID map that basically allows you to take the information from all different sites with the player ID map. It has the player ID at, you know, Fangraphs, at Baseball HQ, at Baseball Prospectus, at MLB, at Rotowire. They all have different player numbers. So it allows you to make sure that your spreadsheet or your workbook or whatever it is that you're working on keeps the players straight. And that's really a cool thing. I love the kid. He's a super nice guy. I'm glad to see him at the top. Um, what else, though? What happened to you? Do you see honestly, honestly, I haven't, I haven't checked since uh, maybe I was in round fifteen or seventeen or something. I, uh, I really, again, like, I think it's really cool, but I'm gonna base my opinions on my exact league itself. I'm uh, at the bottom, dude. I'm 186th out of 196th overall. Steve um, Gardner, I have a feeling you'll do better than that. Steve Gardner is right ahead of me at 185, and then you got Justin Mason at 190, and our boy Craig Miss just pulling up the pe rear end at 196 out of 196. Laura Michaels is right above him at 194. It's hard to believe that all of these people, but, you know, this is a league full of experts, so bound to be somebody down at the bottom. It's, um, as long as I'm not last, I'm happy. How do you feel about your team? I like my team a lot. I mean, I could pull it up here. I think it's, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty balanced. Um, and I, one thing I think I might lack is a little bit of speed. I mean, I don't have, I don't have any like serious, serious like D Gordon or Billy Hamilton types, but I do have Segura, VR, Tim Anderson, get me some steals. Domingo Santana might get me some, um, but overall, I mean, if you want, I can list you my team. I just want to just say a couple of general uh, general things. Um, they were talking today about a draft that was um, Jim Bowden. He drafted Billy Hamilton and D. Gordon. I've been thinking about that all day long because I don't think I've ever seen anybody do it. Um, it's um, so. Even though I've never seen anybody do it, I think that we've all kind of maybe thought about it. When you take those two stolen base guys off the board, not only are you getting them for yourself, but you're taking the ability for everybody else to get 50 or 60 steals from one player. And now the entire league is at a disadvantage with steal, stolen bases just because of that. Like nobody can beat you in stolen bases if these two guys stay healthy. But in a points league, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of, that's that's why we do what we do. People can disagree and they can, you know, but I really like to think about it for a second before I like just say, oh, that's a bad idea. Because each stolen base is two. Um, if you get on base, that's a hit or a, it's a it's a base, so it counts as a point somewhere. And I'm getting prepared for this Tout Wars points league this weekend. And it's not really like a points category league and it's not really like a points Roto, I don't know what the differences are, but you get points for all these categories, and and it's different than the normal points. Or so, they, I'm trying to get ready for this points league. I've never been in a points league. Andy, I hate points leagues. I despise them. I was in them years ago, and I'm not in any anymore. Um, I'm pretty much all Roto with the auto matchup. Okay, but um. People really like pitching this year. People really believe that pitching is very important. Everybody that I've talked to is very adamant, and nobody is swayed from this one statement. Pitching is super important. So I'm not one of those guys that's going to go spend, you know, 50 bucks on Max Scherzer. I'm just not going to do it. I think that the pitching category is too volatile. Not only that, but in this league, you get five points for a win. You lose three points for a loss, and but for a save, you get five points also. So a save is as good as a win. And if you get a blown save, you only lose one. That, so that's interesting. So yeah, so closers have a, a lot of value. I mean, I always tell people, I don't play in points leagues anymore, so maybe the strategies have changed. I usually tell them I haven't played in points leagues, but look for pitchers with a lot of strikeouts and hitters who don't strike out a lot. It really makes it very tempting to think about it in this sense that um, – well, Donkey Teeth wrote about in our draft guide, and I think that it's a valid point. We talked about it the other day. I'll be talking about it f forever because I think that it really struck a chord with me. It's like 
you only really need to win. And this is Tout Wars last year, too. We were head-to-head, and you figure it out pretty quick. You don't need to win every category. You don't need to strive to win every category. You need to make sure that you win at least three out of five categories. Um, this is not a category league this year, but it's the same It's the same system. If you get – if you win more points than you – if you get more points, you win – you get a win. So instead of saying that you only have to win three out of five categories – you have to look at it like you have to accumulate the most points. Now, I mean, me and B-Dom were talking yesterday. A home run is not just four for a home run. It's four for that, plus it's an it's RBI for whoever comes in, including yourself, and a run. Why do you get a run, an RBI, and four points for a home run? It's like you're getting paid three times for a homer. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The whole idea of the four points for the homer is that it counts the RBI and the run. It counts for four bases because a triple counts for three, right? So I can see why, you know, if you hit a triple and there was two people on base, you would get a triple and two RBIs. But why do you get the run? Why do you get an RBI for yourself? Because you're not really, I mean, then beat on said, well, who batted you in? I mean, somebody batted you in, you batted yourself in. So you're an RBI and you're a run. That's kind of a little overkill to me, but. Like I said, I don't have a lot of experience playing in points leagues, so everyone guess- has their preferences for leagues. And B Don, B Don did bring up a good point in the chat room. Um, I think he said something about it's the best judge of a player's true value, and that is true in a sense because How? Um, because it makes guys like Stanton and Judge, let's say, who go very high in regular roto or matchup, not that, not nearly as good of players as um, they would be in a points league because of all those strikeouts. It really like, it really does penalize players for weaknesses in their game. We get a half a point negative for a strikeout, so it's not horrible. But, yes, you don't really want the Joey Gallo type on your team. Um, but, however, power hitters seem to me to be much more valuable than speed. Since, since, I mean, because they get all the – you get nine points. Basically, if you hit a grand slam, you're nine points up. You get nine points for that. That's a little excessive to me to give to a, a home run guy. But that's just my opinion. I mean, you got to draft accordingly. Now, so does that make the Jim Bowden pick with the two stolen base guys? I mean, he went in there and he said, I'm getting both of these guys. Forget you. I'm taking all the speed. In a points league, I don't really see the benefit of it, especially with Billy Hamilton. In a roto league, I love that idea. I think that's brilliant. Um. Well, he gets two points for every steal instead of just one for getting a base like normal guy does. Basically, if he just goes from first to second, he gets two points for that. I think that's a little overpay too, but whatever. I mean, you know, like I'm not here to decide the prices. I'm just here to, to figure out a way to win. So the the points that we're using in Tat Wars, I know that we had a whole schedule of shit to talk about, but I'm really interested in this because it's coming this weekend, and I want to get ready, and I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear the chat room's opinion, and I want to hear everybody's opinion. Um, I just – I punched in all of the categories because they're not the same as the normal – like I said, they, they're a little bit different. Um, you you get three points for an inning. Basically, you get one point every time your pitcher gets an out. Um, so every inning you get three points just for being in that inning. That's how I broke it down at Rotowire. But I punch all these numbers in. I pull this up. Rasball has one too, by the way. They have a great, um, uh, it's basically a huge spreadsheet and it tells you exactly how to use it. You put in all of your stats for your league and it comes up, it tells you all the points. Now this guy made it specifically for points leagues and it's free. So if you need one or if you want to compare with something else, the one at Rasball is very good. Um, they definitely uh, love Max Scherzer and Mike Trout, two very, very good players, right? He said that every time he put in different combinations of statistics and categories for a league, they would come out. One would be on top sometimes, and the other one would be on top the other times. But um, there's a, it seems to me that people are right when they say pitching because there aren't that many great pitchers. There's a lot of great hitters. I totally see that. I think if you don't get pitchers earlier on, uh, you start looking for value later in the draft. That's how I've done all my drafts so far this year. So we just put up a podcast that we did like last Monday. Actually, it's been a week. I didn't put it up. The other day after we did a show, then there was another show 
There was five shows that day, but we couldn't find Paul, so I told Walter I would get on with him. And then Donkey Teeth came on, and the three of us did a show, and we talked about this draft dynamic that I don't think that people give enough attention to, which is we can all say that you paid too much for so-and-so. We can all say that you reached on so-and-so, but nobody really knows the dynamic of the draft. There's reasons why people do things and pay more for Joey Gallo because he's the only power hitter left on the board, and that's what you need on your team, so you pay what you have to do to get him. It's not saying that you think that Joey Gallo is worth as much as Ben Benintendi, but you – Ben Attendee's long gone, and you didn't hop on that, so my bad, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, But there's dynamics to these drafts, and so the reason that people get – the reason that it's important at the beginning to cover your bases, like Donkey Teeth talked about this too. He makes a lot of sense with his draft strategy, by the way. Um, just basically at the end of the draft is where you want to be able to be flexible because you don't want it to get down to like where there's only one player. And if you don't get that one player, then you're going to be stuck with somebody that's just basically going to hurt you. What you want to do is you want to draft a lot of really good, um, like consistency at the beginning. And you want to try to leave yourself in a position where when it gets later in the draft, that you have more than one choice that you can fit into your team, right? Definitely. You'd never want to be put in a position where you're, you're stuck. Um, it, and I mean, that's, that's just it. You, I mean, that's just all about executing your plan going in though. I mean, for me, I, although I'm in my twenties, I use paper and pen and just like a pad of paper a lot for my own notes and for things. And I always have lists of late speed, late power, late average, late strikeouts, late saves. And when I get down to New Orleans, the end of the draft, I always have my options based on what I need for my team. So what Lenny does is that he's been doing this forever. It doesn't work for me because I just, I can't really, I have to decide what my team is going to be as the draft goes. I'm kind of like, I, I kind of know how to put together a team, but I really leave myself open to basically if somebody's going to go for hella cheap at the beginning, then my whole draft strategy needs to be, you know, working around that player. Last year, I did not ever expect to get Mookie Betts, but when he went for this cheap, I wasn't going to let him go that cheap. Now I own Mookie Betts. Okay, you have to be able to, like, say, okay, now what do I need? But Lenny is able to go into the draft. He's got a player at every position that he wants, his number one guy, and then he's got a couple of of similar players in case he doesn't get that player. Like, if he can't get Will Myers, then he's going to get Ian Desmond. If he can't, you know... And he does this, and he it works out every time he's able to walk out of the draft and say, I got the team I wanted. Maybe not the first tier of the team I wanted, but I got the similar players to that guy if I didn't get him. Yeah, that's that's a great way to do it. I, I, I do that a lot too. I yeah, Especially during – coming into the draft for sure, and even during the draft, I'm in a slow uh, AL-only draft right now, and as I'm the – 10 pick, um, the 10 teamer. So I have two picks in a row. So as I'm about four or five picks away, I have my two guys I want, three players behind them. Sorry, four players behind them. So two behind them each in case they get taken. And then I have a third um, option where it's like, okay, if all the hitters I really like go, I'll go with the pitcher and this guy instead. I always have like four or five options ready to go so that by the time. It actually gets to me if all my my initial targets are gone. I still have backups who will put up similar sort of production for me. And I'm not worried ever about reaching for players either. Reaching to me is, is a term that is used way too often because if you want that player or you need that player and you don't think you're going to get him the next time your pick is up, then you take him then. You don't wait around. Don't worry about reaching around. Or well, I mean, so I have kind of a – I um. A couple years ago, I left like eight or twelve or something dollars in Tower Wars. I left, I left the money on the table. The draft was really weird. I totally learned a, a lot of things from that draft, like pay more attention because when people start spending all of their money, there comes a point in the draft where you are the only one that has money, and it's time to start spending like that extra dollar and just m muscle your way out of that players out of every play. You know, when you see that people don't have any money left, you just Get the player. You know that they don't have the money to get it, and you're taking it. And so I didn't do that. Anyway, I had money left on the table. So all of the shit that I got for leaving money on the table and how you're not supposed to leave money on the table, that's just bad draft management. Okay, fine. It's bad draft management. The other night at labor, 
I had seven dollars left. I needed one player. I put Mike Napoli out there for two dollars, and Larry Schechter says three. And I thought immediately in my head, it was like just an instant thought. I'm just gonna th paste. I'm spending all my money on. Napoli, number one, I need him. Number two, um, I don't want to leave any money left on the table. So I just said seven for Napoli. I thought that was brilliant, okay? Now nobody's going to see that I had any money left over, blah, blah, blah. Okay, because you don't think for a second that all these people do plan their drafts out and then come right down to zero dollars and everything's good. No money's left on the table. Well, I threw seven dollars at Napoli and now it's like, I don't know if it's worse that I paid seven dollars for Napoli because everybody's analyzing how much we spend on players and it's like, Okay, why'd you spend seven on Napoli? That's kind of crazy. You know, well, I did to avoid being harassed, <laughs> which I'm going to get anyways for spending that much on the guy that has no job. They didn't even – they said that they signed him because they felt like they wanted to give him a chance to showcase his stuff for other teams, but not because they need him, because they felt like they owed it to him for what he did for them a couple years ago. Like, what? Okay. That's good. So he's he's – Whatever. It's just funny. The whole the whole thing is funny. Uh, Matt Bush, going back to the bullpen. You sent me a couple of articles today from the score, and I think that I don't really like to advertise much. We don't get paid, and we don't like have any kind of contract with anybody. I just like to sometimes say about sites that I like. And um, while we're talking about the drafting thing, I will say once again, I will say this till forever that I'm using it this weekend no matter what Babs it's Ron Chandler's new baby and it is just basically an assets and liability spreadsheet it takes a little bit of um, learning curve to it but once you figure it out I've never had such an easy draft as I did last year and I think that the it's super nice and it does exactly what we're talking about with getting players of similar skill sets that you're not really looking for positions you're looking for assets and liabilities and when you see these players grouped together and you say oh my gosh like this guy is the same player as this guy Chandler basically says you cannot just you cannot um, narrow these statistics down to the point that we've been trying to narrow them down. You're always going to be off a certain percentage of, you know, your projections are always going to be somewhat off. But there are certain skill sets and there are groups of skill sets where they might not hit the exact same number of home runs, but they have the same set of skills. So they're in the same category. And if they have the same categories, then they're pretty much the same player in Bab's eyes. And I'm telling you that thing worked out for me. There's a lot to do with like avoiding ERAs. Um, avoiding liabilities such as experience, um, new ballparks, uh, things that like if they have a bad batting average, it's really bad in Bab's eyes. He doesn't like she doesn't. It's a girl, by the way. She doesn't like it. She's the other chick in fantasy baseball that pretty much rules. Chicks do rule. I I um, I I like doing shows with um with you i think i'm actually having jessica kleinschmidt on in a couple weeks okay so going um, on to this show the score that you sent Fun me stuff. you sent me two yeah, articles the from there i had that app on my phone and i think it's a great app number one you can pull that app up you can see all the box scores for every you know game. i know about you know i know about the score andrea because it's one of the um big sports networks in canada um oh. there's Sportsnet, there's tsn and there's the score uh, their app is amazing, though, and they um, they they give us they like give a lot of like good. There's a lot of good information. Um, I was on the app, and that's where I actually found these stories today. Well, I gotta um, say, we use a lot of MLB trade rumors, of course, but um, I like the stories that the score gives. Dude, and it's not full of advertisements up in your face, fucking videos playing while you're trying to look up stuff. You know, it's not like that. It's super cool. Yeah, you wonder why. They don't need it because they have the, the – it's a TV network, so all their money comes from television advertising commercials, so it's great. Well, it's good for the reader, I'll tell you that, because there's websites like um, – uh, what's the one that has all of the different writers that come in and they do one, there's like a writer for each team and Lenny loves the site and it's fine except for when I'm looking for videos and stuff, video clips to put into chatter, it always comes up as, you know, I type in a Jake Arrieta video, right? And it comes up and it says Jake Arrieta article and then it's got a video next to it, but the video is never, ever what 
the article is. It's like they just put random advertising and then they announce it. They put in their metadata that they have a video about this article, but it's never about the article and it's so frustrating. It's like, what do you think you're getting one over on it, people? Because it's really annoying. Anyway, I wanted to say that the score, um, I really enjoyed reading these articles today that you sent me. There was one about uh, Matt Bush going back into the bullpen, even though the Texas Rangers wanted to stretch him out and let him have an opportunity to be a starting pitcher. It just didn't work out. I mean, it didn't take long for them to figure it wasn't going to work out, but he's going back to the bullpen. And part of the reason why, a big chunk of the reason why, is because they love him as an effector. They want him in the bullpen. He, They said how he pitches, his set of pitches. We really feel like um, we're trying to structure the bullpen the best way that we can. And basically, like, he needs he needs to be there because we want him to pitch numerous innings. He's an effector. And it's really cool for me that the effector is actually becoming a huge part of baseball without me having to even like come up with a new formula to, to count their stats. I mean, I was like, how am I going to get the effector into fantasy baseball? They're too valuable of players to not be uh, drafted just sitting out there on the waiver wire, you know, like Chad Green and these guys that are, I don't know if they're just becoming more valuable. It's exciting. I don't have to come up with a formula and I can still play with the effector. Matt Bush. Yeah, you can. And, this is exactly how they're going to use him. You nailed it on the head. They want to use him multiple innings. Um, and it's funny because when I first saw this, I thought, okay, um, there goes any Alex Claudio shares I might have had probably. No. I have him. Uh, but, but that's not the case because they're not going to use him as the closer. And it also, I mean, not that it's going to make a huge difference for fantasy necessarily, but it also looks like. Um, moving him back to the bullpen opens up a spot for Portolo Cologne, 44 yes, year old. The oldest um, guy in baseball. And, yeah, and this this spring, 1.04 ERA so far. The big he's sexy. Killing it this spring. I know he's killing it in the spring, and this is just a perfect example of why you don't really take a lot from him. I mean, he's. Look, man, there's been fantasy. Every year, it seems like there's a time during the year that Bartolo Colon is worth owning, especially in DFS. If you have him going up against a crappy, I mean, he's just always cheap. He's he doesn't walk a lot of batters ever. I mean, uh, anyway, back to this: the closing situation. Not only is uh, like okay, so you got Luke Gregerson is out. Um, with Luke Gregerson being out and he's got oblique problems, John Mozeliak, he's the president of baseball operations. He says that it's going to be him. It's going to be Dominic Leone. It's going to be Tyler Lyons. And then over in Washington, even though they got Sean Doolittle, they got three other guys that can close. They say they are going to keep these guys fresh by rotating them around and giving them opportunities. Say they, they don't like to call it. Um, what is it that they call it? Like save situation or something? Team saves, whatever. Like saver guy, saved by committee, closer by committee. Yeah. Anyway, they're all doing it, even though they don't like to call it closer by committee because it it hurts the feelings of the supposed closer because everybody thinks that being a closer is better than being a reliever. Anyway, they're not rolling with that this year. There's three different teams that don't have to do it. Um, another one is with the Soria and the uh, Joaquin Soria and the other guy over there in Kansas City. Nate Jones, Juan Manea. Yeah, they're just like, we're, we don't have to decide on a closer. I think it's Chicago White Sox. We don't have to decide on a closer because we have two perfectly capable closers, and if we don't tell either of them that they're the closer, then we just put them in depending on the situation that arises. One of them's a lefty, one of them's a righty. That's how it works. Fine. That's these are three or four teams that are going to be doing this when they don't even have to. So be very careful with the uh, closer situation. I mean, you don't want to spend. Uh, I'm all about spending a little money on a closer. I like the 30 saves idea. I like, you know, but I'm not paying over 20 bucks for a closer. No way. No, I just get a bunch of different players who are supposed to get saved at some point, even if they're all part time guys, if I have four or five part time guys. I'll make up for not having two full-time guys. And then you got Brad Breck, where was Zach Britton is out too. He will be out for probably good another month or so. And Brad Breck has got great numbers. He's going to get some saves, but then what happens? One thing that does happen, and you see this year after year is that when the closer gets hurt and the other guy comes in and he starts getting the hang of it and he's doing really well, it's very hard to tell him that he can't keep that job while he's doing well. So Every time a player gets the opportunity to come in and show what they have, then they have the opportunity to keep that job. 
Yeah, baseball is, I mean, obviously you have to have the skill set, but a lot of it is mental too. That's that's a really that's a really good point. Speaking of mental um, and mental problems at the moment, Ryan Braun feeling very uncomfortable oh, man. playing first base. Uh, but I would yeah. say he probably needs to get comfortable soon because the season starts in, what, two weeks or so? And there's really nowhere for him to play in the outfield, we know, um, with Yelich, Kane, and Domingo Santana. Okay, well... And- I mean, he doesn't need to be telling everybody that he doesn't feel comfortable there. The management's happy with what he's doing. Even if he isn't doing anything, they're saying that they're happy with it. He knows that he has to play that the infield because he knows that that's what the team needs to be the best team that they can be. They have too many outfielders. He needs to buck it up and go into the infield and play some first base. He doesn't like his glove. He doesn't like the way it feels. He played third base when he came up as a rookie. He got rookie of the year at third base. He wasn't any good then as an infielder, and he's never played first base until this year. But how hard is first base? It's like a freaking the easiest – I mean – it's just not that hard, and if he can't play it, he doesn't need to tell the reporters that and cry to him about it. Well, I'll give him a little bit of credit because he did acknowledge the fact that it is what's best for the team. He wants to be a team player. I think yeah. he said it's not the glove work as much as the the footwork and all the different shifts they have now. Because the last time he was in the infield, all those shifts really didn't exist. Come on, man. These people, they can't hit second if they've been hitting first. They can't change positions. They can't do anything. They're just they're just one-tool people. Ryan Braun needs to buck it up and go and play the first base and just get his feet right if he needs to stay after practice every day until he gets his feet right, then he needs to do it. He was out there playing left field again today or yesterday because he's obviously cried enough to where they just put him back to where he's comfortable. You could tell immediately that his attitude changed. It's like, these people, man, they're just spoiled, rotten little brats. I I mean, they are. Um, and I understand why it's a, move, it's a move for him. It's not supposed to be an easy move, but I think he certainly needs to give it more time before complaining. He hasn't even played 25 innings there so far in the spring. And, I mean, repetition there is what's going to make him comfortable. Exactly, and he just got his glove. He just got his first base glove. They had a big old picture of it and put it in the media and all excited. He got a new glove, wah, wah. He just got that like a couple of days ago. So, no, you're not going to probably be the most comfortable at that position. Just stop crying. And the amount of time that it took you to cry to the reporters, you could have been out there working on your footwork. Just saying. That, that's, that would be a better use of his time. Um, absolutely. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about here. I definitely want to get your opinion on it and another question I'll post to you. But it's the, uh, the Astros' visit to the White House. Oh, um, Lordy. Ken Giles, Carlos Beltran, all skipped that um, ceremony at the White House that was being held for their 2017 championship. Um, I understand that they might not support Trump as president. Fine, but the ceremony isn't about one individual player. It's not about Trump, and it's not about politics. It's about honoring the season that they had, uniting as a team to celebrate it. I did see that Gray and Giles both had family obligations to attend to, which, of course— very legitimate reason not, Do, not no, to show up. No, no, no. Unless it's but, a baby being born, then it's not a legitimate. Okay. But, but it just seems kind of, and I could be wrong, that it was just an excuse not to go because think about it. And you're right. The ceremony, the date for it set months ago. Everyone had ample time to make arrangements to attend. Well, then there's Beltron. He said that he was disappointed with the way Trump handled the situation in Puerto Rico months and months ago. Yeah. He also said his decision was not to go based on politics. Um, He didn't provide a reason for not attending, though, but I want to get your opinion on this, but also if you put these three instances aside for a moment because they're not the first athletes to do it, to skip it, and they won't be the last, Mm -hmm. do you support the player's right to choose whether they should be able to go or do you think it's something that should become mandatory out of respect to the country, the players, the teammates, and the organization? No, I mean, I don't think you should ever force anybody to go. That's that's for sure. You can't force somebody to go there that would just cause a lot of animosity and if you don't choose to go you shouldn't have to go that's the beauty of this country that we live in and um but i you know i do have a little bit of a problem with athletes that say like Lindsey vaughn just came out and said if i win a gold i'm not going because i can't stand that guy and to me it just feels like um you've made a decision before you really anybody that just can't stand what he's done 
I don't know. I, it just seems to me that he hasn't hurt anybody. He hasn't done anything to anybody that's made them less better than they were. But either way, back to your point, I'm not going to get all sidetracked. If you're an athlete, of course, I believe that you should go and you should be very proud to go to the White House. And you should be very proud not just because you like or dislike the president, but because you are proud of your country and you're proud of being able to give him the opportunity to go as a team. I agree with you 100 percent. It is not a one about one person. I do think that there's some underlying things here, like, number one, Carlos Correa is from Puerto Rico. And there is something to be said about how Puerto Rico did not get much love compared to Houston and the rest of the country. I do also know that Carlos Correa wasn't just talking shit. He never did really talk shit. He actually was very quiet about it, didn't make a big scene about it, didn't, like, try to become famous over it. He really quietly decided not to go. I do know that he's also put a lot of money and time and and, and has done a lot of charity work for helping Puerto Rico get back rather than As just – Carlos Beltran too. Okay, and so both of those people get credit from, from me for that, unlike uh, – Kaepernick over there who just kneels and but doesn't do anything when he gets off work except for probably go flirt with hot chicks and have beers. I mean, but these guys are actually doing something. There's something to be said about that. They're not out there all over the media like trying to make a big scene about what, what they hate and why everybody should do what they do. I don't see that in baseball and I love it. Um, so I'm not that I'm not that upset about it. I, I do like the fact that it was very quiet. It wasn't like blown out there, put in the face, ranted about on Twitter about how much they hate Trump and they're not going because it really um, it really is hard. I don't know for people like me. I'm just a normal person, everyday real American person, you know, and it's when these people that are making billions and billions of dollars act like, you know, we should listen to what they say politically. It just bothers me. But this, I agree this... with that. But I do want to say um, I've been obviously not at the level of major league, but I've been part of many teams before, many sports teams Um some one year, some multiple years, whatever it might be. And to me, this is more of a team activity, almost, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, it would be important for me to honor the season that I had with those teammates and go. Okay. Um, so, regardless of my feelings towards politics or the president. Okay, but so here's what I do. Lenny, when he doesn't like to go somewhere, he's miserable to be around. You do not even want to be – like so if he says, oh, I don't really want to go to the Goodwill with you, and I say, okay, I'm going by myself. Please don't go with me because if you go with me, you're just going to harass me and bug me and ruin my time at the Goodwill where I love to go there and do things and just have peace, okay? And if you're not going to have peace and you're not going to have fun, then just stay home. So that's kind of like if they didn't want to be there and they didn't want to go there, then why make them go to – just drag down the rest of the team, leave them at home. That's what I say. I'm all about leaving people at home that don't want to be there. <laughs> you know, I know, but shake, go there, shake some hands, have some food, be with your teammates, take a couple pictures and it's over. Right. Okay. Yes, we do suck things up, but, but look again in their defense, they do have the right to decide if they want to go or not. I am very pleased that they didn't make a big scene about it. Because they do – they are role models, you know, and they do – little kids look up to them. And if they're out there bashing things, then it just – it's really um, it's really pretty disappointing really because I know that what they should be seeing, what I saw when I was young is, you know, the, my dad went to Vietnam. His dad went to war. Everybody served in the military. You get a sense of pride for your country, and I don't, don't see that happening as much anymore. So, But here I have a game for us. I know it's time to go. Do you have one more thing that you wanted to talk about before I play my game? No, no, I, I love games. Okay, this I found on the score, and this is called – this is a quiz, and this is what we do. You basically decide who said it. It was either Scott Boris or Aesop's Fables. Now, before we do that, I'm going to play you a little quick Aesop's Fable in case you guys don't remember what Aesop's Fables are. This one just – it's perfect for the day, and it's only one minute, so here we go. Plus, I figured out how to turn the sound on so we can actually hear it while it's playing, I think. Here we go. Aesop's Fables, The Fox and the Grapes A hungry fox saw some fine bunches of grapes hanging from a vine that was trained along a high trellis, and did his best to reach them by jumping as high as he could into the air. But it was all in vain, for they were just out of reach. So he gave up trying, and walked away with an air of dignity and unconcern, remarking, I thought those grapes were ripe, but I see now they are quite sour. 
Okay, that's it. That's Aesop's Fable. So here we go. You're going to decide. Oops, i got to turn this off. I can hear myself. I can tell you I didn't hear it, but I still want to play the game. Okay, so what it was is the fox and the grapes. You can hear it later. It's just a one-minute short little story. It's an Aesop fable. You know what those are, right? I just, do not. Just decide of the statement if, if it's Scott Boris or Aesop's fable. Okay. Fair the, the Mets don't live in the gated community of Playoffville. Scott Boris or Aesop's Boris. fable? Yes. That one's right. Okay. Beware lest you lose the substance by grasping at the shadow. Aesop. I think so. Well, I didn't play this yet, but it doesn't seem very hard. The injury and the one we suffer are not weighted. Wait. The injury he sustained and the one we suffer are not weighed in the same scales. Boris. No, it was Fable. But 62% of people got that wrong. Your chances of guiding lava into rock is pretty good, and that's the destiny. Boris. Yes. Okay, don't let the truth get swallowed up by the great chewing complacency. I would say Boris, too. I will say Fable. Ew, look, 50% guessed it each one and it was a sub fable okay he was a big squirrel with a lot of nuts in his trees that has to be boris yes. yes okay high atop the empire rests king kong aesop nope it was boris we hang the petty thieves and appoint the great ones to office boris Nope, it was Fable. After all you is said, the book out of out of the Boris quotes. We're nine out of ten. After all is said and done, this winter more is said than done. Boris. No, it was Fable, but eighty-two percent of people guessed Boris. When you've got thirty boats in the Blue Lake and twelve are no longer fishing, and the other five have determined that the gas tax is too great, we are left with a market that is no longer competitive. Boris. Gotta be. Yes. Good job, Lewis. I pretty much just guess for, 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 for. We only got five out of ten, and it said that we wouldn't cut it at the Boris office. No, probably not. We're not dickheads. Well, we probably wouldn't cut it really anywhere but here at Nothing But Fantasy, which we fit right in. Right, Lou? It's all that matters to me, quality over quantity, Andy. If you're living in Andy's world where you're actually a half hour late but you think you're 20 minutes early, it's all good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's it for us today. Good show. <laughs> I'm going to sounding like a robot for a few seconds. It's um, okay. I could probably fix it. Yeah. Thanks for uh, everyone tuning in and bearing with us, of course. We'll be back on schedule, by the way, 4 p.m. Eastern Tuesday. I'll be there at 420. I'm just joking. 420 is my favorite time, though. And on that note, we will talk next week, Lou. Take care, all. Thanks again.